Welcome to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast, the podcast that guides those looking for a home that expresses their unique lifestyle to release creative DNA into their project and have it completed while keeping the artistic vision alive. Now, here's your architect creative, J.D. Carling. Maximalism. It's not the Transformers from the Beast Wars that were the Maximals, but today we're talking about maximalism. And maximalism is something that is gaining popularity right now. And it is kind of a inverse of the force of minimalism, which kind of came out of modernism and has been what I would say a very popular trajectory for design the past decade or so. If you look at any market rate apartment building right now, it's going to incorporate some element that they call modern design. And with that, minimalism was kind of offshoot from that. If you look at product design, things that are more minimalist in nature, like mid-century furniture or in fashion, a lot of things have been very minimalistically detailed over the past few years. But now we have maximalism. And I think this comes out of, I did an episode a few months ago about modern is dead. And really the idea was just that the narrative of the architecture of your custom home should be something that's alive. It's not something that you're pulling out of a magazine that's sharing all the current trends. You want to get your ideas from you. Now, certainly you'll end up getting some things from things you see or products that are available or you find somewhere or you have made. But that shouldn't be the impetus of the story. That's not what I would call the thematic argument or the impetus of your journey in your custom home. Okay, so I was thinking about this the other day when I I was like looking at all this maximalism stuff and I'm like, okay, my house is very minimalist. It's completely empty. Now, I grew up in the 80s and it was all like collect everything, you know, like collect the baseball cards, collect the Transformers, collect the hockey cards. Then even it it flowed into like uh, the next, I guess, age group after me, like collect all the Pokemon stuff like that. It was like get, get, get. And then with technology, I remember my dad downloading millions of DVDs of songs and then ultimately putting them on this little drive. You know, then we had the iPod that could hold like 50,000 songs around uh, the two, you know, early 2000 time that got really popular. And so there is like this desire. We had so much collection of things. And then it was like, whoa, this is overload, this is excess. And then we're like, let's digitize it all, minimalize. And so everything's online, right? And so now kids, you see them on their phone all the time, even adults just on our phone all the time. Beautiful, serene spaces that people could live in now. But you're still living a life of excess, Many of us, including myself, will like have so much stuff online. So it's kind of like I would call a false minimalism. And the desire to have a tangible thing, something to actually touch versus this liquid screen or something that's going on. I started to see it. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I'm just going. It's like little this episode's a little like mental for me because it's so fascinating for me to see this shift happening in design right now. So a few years ago, I noticed around 2019, a lot of designers 
started putting an arch, like a half circle arch, not some different take on it. And we all know where that came from. And obviously in Rome and other ancient, you know, millenniums ago, they started using arches a lot more. I don't know if that's the earliest time it was used, but Hadrian's Villa, I believe, was like one of the big first architectural things that I learned about in school. That kind of disappeared. So like clean lines and open spaces, blah, blah, blah. That was like the big thing. And then this thing started to sneak in and it was like, we're going to put an arch in every room. And that was like to add some, I think, like texture or dynamic situation to the light in the space. And I'm not talking about me. Like I have done some spaces with arches, but it was just kind of like proliferating. Like, well, arch, 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 arch. And then in like graphic design, there's like the smiley face is like coming back. And then in furniture, you'll see like plush. It started sneaking in like these really big puffy couch and it was still kind of all minimalistly done you know the smiley face is a minimalist graphic design element the poofy couch is still a minimalist element but it's like it's like we're trying to sneak in we're trying to reverse this thing we want to make our own statement because minimalism in a way became dead just like modernism it's like it had this prescriptive things that everyone needed to do to stand out and so now you have a generation of people, and I'm not talking about age, but just like in maybe career or focus or wanting to make a statement. So a generation of people wanting to raise their voice in design are we're sneaking these things in. So you have like fashion, art, interior decorating, interior architecture, architecture, all type of stuff. Furniture really started to pick up with like turning back in, not just having these like simple lines, but like dynamic things you could do with them. Now, so you had modernism and then you had like minimalism as kind of like a subset of that. And we all know what came after that was like postmodernism and Philip Johnson in New York. And the biggest thing I remember is I think is the AT&T building was like still this straight tower, but they put the pediment with the half circle notched out of it. And then uh, I'm still going to, I think I'm going to throw Venturi in there with doing the same thing with the roof lines again. And they were starting to bring that in. Now, what's so fascinating to me is that was them bringing in classical elements back into design. But then with that, things started to get a little crazy. And then you had deconstructivism. And this is 90s going into like 2000s almost, right? Where then it just got... Super crazy digital technology is letting everything get ripped apart and torn to shreds. And that went into parametricism. So I think we're on like this cycle that we're going to end up taking this like postmodern tinge that everybody have, which remind you was related to like getting into the 90s. And if you've looked at fashion, all the 90s stuff was very popular. And the other crazy thing is 90s fashion was a reiteration of like, I would say 60s, 70s stuff, right? What was that in reaction to? The 50s, like you wouldn't see Jackie Kennedy or much more minimalist fashion. And then you get into like now these big chunky heels, like shag sweaters and stuff, all the stuff you'd see during that like 60s era, which was like all over, you know, different colors, more gaudy. And now it's like festival wear is getting very popular again. And so this maximalism thing and decorating is hitting on all those things again a lot of the stuff i've seen is even incorporating like 
murals and houses with mushrooms and big shag carpets. And I'm really interested to see where this is going to go because all those things, excess stuff, each generation, the thing before is like, oh, I can't stand that sometimes. You know, that, that can be like, because you're, you're trying to get your own statement out. And the impetus for modern minimalism came from like construction and not just building construction, but manufacturing techniques that were like getting like pretty much perfected during the industrial revolution. And then you like postmodernism was trying to retextualize that. Then deconstructivism is like when the digital technology became possible to make these crazy forms. I'm kind of going to throw in Frank Gehry in there. And then Zaha Hadid kind of took off with the parametricism. And Daniel Liebskin was real strong with Coop Hemmelblau on the deconstructivism. And that was, again, a technological shift. What's so crazy to me is so silicone now that the technological shift was like, hey, I don't know if you remember during the pandemic, everything's like, get an NFT toy, get a thing. And then uh, Gary V, I can't remember his real last name, but Gary V is like, buy my V friends and have all, you're definitely going to own a digital toy, just like you own digital music, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't think this was going to happen, but desire to have like a physical thing, a physical texture is so powerful right now. You want to touch the carpet. We can't wait to touch the concrete and feel things in the real world. And so it's almost like the technological revolution. Everything got so small that it like the attachment to the silicone chip is like bringing is like exploding out into color in the real world is exploding into design. And now what's interesting to me, and I still feel attachment, right? Like my mind has attachment. Look at my my shirt, my uh, logo for my company is this like, and I'd like to hear people's argument on this open endedness of like minimalist design, not even not modern to me. Modern is not as open, but like intentionally minimalist is like I can put any sculpture in my room. I can put any like object and I can appreciate it. It's like, you know, this thing, I you know, I believe like little tiny gardens. I, I can't remember the name of them. I think it's like Tsuboya. I hope someone could fill me in on that. But there's like a word for like these Japanese gardens that are, are very focused and you can appreciate them. And they're there in a way that the space around them lets you appreciate what's going on. And I feel like right now, it's like if you're scrolling through a million images, you may have one image on the screen, but due to the tempo, it's not doing that. So now and I've seen all these people, they're designing their homes where it's like you're walking by a million things so that your house is more interesting than what's going on on your phone, right? Like you're walking past the mushroom thing and there's the shag carpet. Then you got your collection of Funko Pops. Then you've got your all your exercise equipment everywhere architecturally that's going to change things because i've seen it more on the decorating side but if that means we're bringing more objects back into the space into the home then that's going to influence the way the architecture is laid out like just like i would say minimalism isn't related to size maximalism isn't really related to the size because you could have a ton of little things but I think the implication is going to be more stuff, right? So more physical stuff. And that's going to influence the amount of space needed, which is almost a reversal if you think of like 
the tiny home thing, the container home thing that everybody, I get calls about tiny home and container home all the time. I get asked, it's the number one question I get is tiny home, container home. How much does it cost? How quick can you put one up? And now I think it's like, whoa, so if we're going maximalism, yes, it could fit in a small space. So that might be the way to do it is figure out how much can you fit in a five pound bag. If you are thinking about this for your home, I don't think that architecture, I would say, in one sense, is a very slow burn. This is just a good example because they usually budget for this. A hotel will update every five years their decor because it gets outdated. In a home, people may be more like 10 to 20 years. But architecture is definitely like a 10-year shift, in my opinion, of like updating the big ism, if you will. I don't think we really go that, but right now we're go that way, but we are experiencing a maximalism surge right now. And so architecture is going to like catch up to that. I was just in Wynwood in Miami, and that's very interesting because I don't think it was intentional. A lot of these things aren't intentional, like the smiley face design on stuff or like the shag carpet or the plush chairs, but they're all converging on this like maximalism thing. If you go down to Wynwood, which I really think you should do, all the new buildings that are there, they're just like throwing everything at the wind. And you know, I'm sure they sit there and they're going, I think this looks good with this, this doesn't, you know, it's still very considerate, but it's very much about feeling or does this contrast, does this juxtapose next to this well? And that's the main impetus in architecture. It's, it's very flat. And that's something I'm very interested in is the idea of super flat. Now, super flat basically started in Japan. The art was very flat, even though there was sculpture, there was a flatness to it. But it was a flattening of like, I'm going to put this very simple right now, but like high fashion and like regular stuff, like just colliding two things and flattening them together. Like the world is flat. Like the whole world works together. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The World is Flat. It's talking about the global economy. But all this flattening of everything together has some relationship to maximalism, which is like more of a, I would say, converging or crashing everything together. And when you go to Miami and Wynwood, also in addition to Japan, South Florida is huge in the super flat vein. And that's what's going on there. So they're like taking all, you know, it's like the buildings are very, very flat in one regard, but they're very dynamic because they've made big, broad gestures to go along with that. So it's almost like the, the texture and things like that are being created by this flat artwork and the space is converging those things together, but they don't care. It's like in, in graffiti, it doesn't matter. You're just like putting one artist next to another it's almost like the difference is what makes it nice it's funny because i feel like my brain talking about maximalism my brain is on maximum overload right now if this is the first episode you're listening to go listen to my other ones i'm usually like very calm and focused but thinking about this i'm like i wear all black all the time with some white logo of something i've designed and then i'll have bright shoes sometimes a lot of times it's just black or gray tennis shoes and my nieces will be wearing like this ugly Christmas sweater year round that's got like hot dogs woven onto it and then pants that are striped and then flowers on little buttons on their tennis shoes and then like a dress shirt with tennis shoes, which is like an Olsen twin thing that, that I've seen before. 
And I was like blown away by this. I'm like, we're so used to just saying like at leisure, right? Because that's like the minimalist thing. Like we just do very little. Everyone's been wearing athleisure for like 10 years now. And these big boots and layers, even in Florida, seeing people wear tons of layers of different clothes like give people something to talk about out here. Give people something to do out here. Give people something to complain about out here. And we'll see what happens in architecture. I don't think I've seen any homes purposefully built yet for maximalism because it's too early. But definitely on interior design that's going on. And so I know there is some maximalist ideas in the works. And I expect in the next five years to see that really take a a launch in architecture. And I'm here for it. I would never start proposing something like that, I don't think. But I'm here to see how it can influence. Because with CARD, the design methodology is your DNA. And if you haven't listened before, there's a bunch of episodes on architectural DNA, but architectural DNA is taking your desires, the nature that your home is going to be on, and the effects of things like money, building codes, zoning codes, neighbors, the people that are going to live in your home, how they're influencing that. And that creates your architectural DNA are those things. So are we going to see that maximalist desire in a home? And how do we interpret that specifically? for you. So I would, again, a lot of people send me Pinterest boards and I I do ask, let me look at them, but ask yourself, what are you wanting to feel from that Pinterest board? Is it the color and flower? Is it that it's influencing your mood? A life goal? Do you feel like you're going to have a life goal that's more achievable by having that? And that's what we're going to do for you. So if you're interested in starting your journey towards a new custom home, Go to ca-rd.com and click book a consultation up in the corner. We'd love to help you get started on your custom home journey and go from you dreaming of a home designed around your lifestyle to your custom list of things that you want to experience while living in a home to actually doing it, not just dreaming about it. Go to our website right now and book a consultation. It is going to be... 2023 in one day and I wish you a very awesome 2023 and that your custom home project will come to fruition this year. I look forward to talking to you next week in the new year. This is JD Carling, your minimalist architect builder. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast. If you are ready to start your journey of a lifetime designing and building a custom home or project, sign up for a free consultation at ca-rd.com today. We look forward to the journey together and making something unique for you and your family. If you have any topics you want to discuss or questions about your custom home design for future episodes, send us a message via our website, ca-rd.com. And again, join us next time for another episode of the Card Custom Home and Architecture Podcast.